Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to welcome each and every one of you to another exciting episode of the Do I Offend You podcast. My name is Carl Britt. I am your host. I am your truth teller. I sincerely hope and pray that everybody is getting through it, uh, hunkering down, battening down the hatches, staying close to Jesus. Uh, you know, there's so much I want to say. Uh, I could say it, but... Um, You know, in regards to the political arena that is enveloping this COVID-19 crisis. But I'm not going to sound off about anything concerning, you know, the politicians of our time. Um, number one, this podcast is dedicated to the truth of Jesus Christ, to sound doctrine. And, and I'm going to, you know, stay in with that. I'm going to just keep true to that. Um, but I do want to share something with you folks here uh, in just a few minutes in regards to Something that the Lord has really revealed to me in the last couple of weeks uh, concerning COVID-19 and something very deep and very profound. Um, before I do, I want to obviously keep my priorities straight, go to the master in prayer. Uh, I want to give you a, uh, a quick announcement about the scheduling of the podcast. I've got uh, four episodes lined up for this week. Uh, this one here tonight, then another one on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm going to be playing some very anointed messages from some of uh, the most anointed men that I know in the apostolic movement, starting tonight with What is Love by Pastor Douglas Walker. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that message before I do play it. But uh, Wednesday night, I'll be playing one from um, Pastor Jonathan Alviar. And uh, he's a mighty man of God as well. And you guys are going to be extremely blessed Uh, I'm talking about to the core of your souls. You're going to be blessed um, by the sincerity, the passion, and the anointing, especially in tonight's message uh, brought on by Pastor Douglas Walker out of Second Chance Church in Yucaipa, California. And by the way, um, you know, you folks are missing out. If you're not tuning in to Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday, I mean, you know what? I'm proud of my pastor, Pastor Walker. Um, I'm telling you what, he's handling this whole COVID-19 thing like a bowl of cereal, flat out, hands down. I'm so proud of him um, for how he is just really going after it. He is not letting uh, anything to do with COVID-19 slow Uh, his passion down for reaching the lost, uh, reaching the backslider, encouraging um, his flock. And um, he's just done a great, great job. And we're going to hear a mighty sermon from him tonight. But uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And just want to remind everybody to uh, tune in next weekend. We're going to be doing two episodes, uh, the final two of the series, um, In Search of the Few. Uh, it's going to be extremely exciting. We've got one coming out Saturday night, and then there'll be the grand finale on Sunday evening. So be sure to be tuned in uh, for that as well. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I want to lift up your name and praise you, God. I want to thank you for your mercy and your goodness, God, and for the things that you reveal to us, God, for the way that you're constantly trying to talk to us, Lord, uh, the, the way that you just, uh, you cause us to grow in you and to stay hungry for you, God, to go deeper, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you continue, Lord, uh, to keep everybody at the sound of my voice as we struggle through this lockdown, Lord. Uh, it's getting monotonous. It's getting, uh, for some people, it's getting unbearable, Lord. But I pray that you would just touch their hearts, God. And just continue, Lord, to be exalted, God. Continue, Lord Jesus, to be the King of all, Heavenly Father, as we acknowledge you in all of our ways. And in Jesus' precious name, everybody said, Amen and Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, something happened in my life. I, I got a good look at something that has to do with COVID-19. And, um, you know, we hear about the peace. Uh, Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And, you know, you, you hear it preached that that peace passeth all understanding. You can't quite even get your mind around it. And... Um, 
You know, you just, you hear it talked about a lot. You read about a lot and you do, you know, when you have the Holy ghost, uh, when God puts his very spirit in you, you have that peace, you have that blessed assurance. But when you are in a position that we're in now with COVID-19 and you look around at, you know, every human being on earth is affected by it. And you look at the lost and I, and I've been looking at those in the world and how they're dealing with it and how they handle it and how they're overcome with anxiety and how fear does have torment. Um, and, and the Lord just revealed this to me a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to try to articulate it. I'm going to try to put it into words. It's really deep. It's really profound. And it has just been overwhelming me for the last couple of weeks. But, you know, uh, the Bible says that God has placed in the heart of every man eternity. And, you know, it's that eternity in your heart that lets you know you're an eternal being. So while you spend your life and uh, spend your days, you know, doing your routine, uh, not thinking about it, none of us ever really think about it. And, and I mean, some do, uh, but the majority of people just go about living their lives and they don't think about it. But, you know, the instant, if they're in a head-on collision, that last second, that last few seconds that they have, you know, and I'm just going to say this really quick before I continue with that, the, 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 the real fear amongst men and women that are not saved has very little to do, whether they know it or not, has very little to do with um, the actual event of dying. It's what waits on the other side. You see, that peace that God gives that passeth all understanding, okay, that the world can't comprehend, it's placed in your heart at the moment you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a peace. It's a blessed, a blessed assurance. But you know what? I guess I don't want to say I've been taking it for granted or anything like that. But when I see the world around me shaking in their boots, scared to death, uh, panicked about every little thing, um, have they have a fear of dying that really does torment them. And I say, wow, you know, we all share alike and we all have in common the everyday apprehensions about dying probably like you know okay how am i gonna die is it gonna be slow and painful am i am i gonna die in my sleep um you know leave my kids behind my family and all that and those are just normal things that human beings have but it goes deeper than that and that peace that passeth all understanding is what causes us to not really be tripping on death all right. The Bible says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And, and, and I've got to see in the last couple of weeks, that sting up close and personal, that sting is coupled with the eternity that God's placed in the heart of every man. And for those that don't have the Holy ghost, for those who are, are, are they don't have that blessed assurance. Let the redeemed say so they don't have the Holy ghost. They're not living for God. You know, like I was getting ready to say, it's not the act of dying that has them so tripped out. It's the understanding, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they admit it or not, whether they talk about it or not, they have it in them. And it's, it, it's a tormenting fear because they know when they die, they're going out. And so, you know, while they try to escape the thoughts of death and live a a good life. Some people, you know, they're, they're wealthy or whatever, and they trust in there and have, they have, you know, this, this idea or this feeling of safety because of their, uh, their wealth or their houses or their cars or, you know, materialistic things. But the truth of the matter is this, we're all human beings. And as COVID-19 came out, I started seeing up close and personal with people, various people around me, how they behave, how they act toward it. They don't have that hope. They don't have that blessed assurance. They don't have peace. Hey, I don't worry about dying. When I die, guess what? I, I'm going to see Jesus Christ face to face. I'm going to be ushered into his presence because I live a lifestyle of repentance. And you know, so ladies and gentlemen, it's been absolutely overwhelming to me that, you know, what a gracious God, what a privilege we have to know that when we die, when we draw our last breath on this earth, no matter how we go out, um, we're going to be in the arms of Jesus Christ. 
And uh, I see the masses because of COVID-19 and people frantic and panicking and not knowing where to turn. And really what is stirring them in that direction is the eternity that God placed in their heart, the knowledge that they really are eternal and they know they're lost. Okay. When you, uh, when you are saved and you know you're saved, uh, you don't have that. You just don't have it. Okay. Um, and a lot of people in our time, as as we have been talking about in our lesson in search of the few, a lot of people think they're saved. You know, and the Bible talks a lot about that. A lot of people believe that they're saved, but they're in false doctrine. They're really not saved. And you can see how that is becoming very applicable in their lives. Okay, and, and is revealing and telling uh, in their lives. You know, I mean. It seems to me people would say, well, why am I uh, so afraid? Why am I acting like this? Well, it's simply because Joel Olstein doesn't have the answers for you. All right. Uh, Joyce Myers isn't going to get you there. Um, and if you're not in sound doctrine, let me just tell you, it's like breaking your arm and going to an auto body shop to have them repair it. Okay. When you're in doctrine, that's not sound. When you're in doctrine that is that is unsound um you know whether you're under a false prophet uh or you're in false doctrine let me just tell you something ladies and gentlemen okay uh and, and it's and it's really 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 deep and it's also really really sad to me that they think that they're saved but now that covid-19 is upon them And I look at people who I know profess to be believers, um, but they're not living the life of repentance. And Jesus Christ isn't everything to them. And they don't have that Holy Ghost um, living inside of them. And, you know, I talk to them and they're panicked and they're freaked out and they're wearing their mask at every turn. I mean, I drive down the road in my truck. I see people wearing their mask in their car. You're driving all alone in your car, okay? Like you don't want COVID-19 to come up through the air vent and, uh, you know, go up into your lungs or whatever the case might be. I don't know. It's really bizarre. The world's not, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm speculating, it's probably not going to be the same uh, when we go back to, um, you know, not wearing masks and opening up the, um, you know, public arena. I don't believe this world is ever going to be the same. But one thing I can say, one thing that I'm grateful for, and I appreciate you folks hanging with me while I ramble on, but I, I, I just wanted to share this with you. It is a blessing and a privilege to have the peace of Jesus Christ in my heart and in your heart if you have it. Uh, it's a blessed assurance. And um, so that brings me to the message that we're going to listen to. Um, this is the message that was that uh, was preached at Second Chance Church in Yucaipa, California um, roughly two years ago, almost, uh, well, almost to the month. It would be June, late June, um, almost two years now. I walked into a um, apostolic church in Yucaipa, California. Uh, Pastor Douglas Walker was preaching out of the book of Hosea and it was titled, What is Love? And it's the message that brought me to my knees, brought me to a place of repentance. And I wrote about it in my book about how I came to that door and the thought came through my mind. Stop right there, Carl Britt. Turn around and go back to your car. You've already crossed the line. God's done with you. He's run out of patience. And, um, you know, um, I opened up that door and, you know, the thought really did cross my mind. I almost went back to my car. I almost did, you know, honestly. But uh, when I opened up the doors, um, or actually I was just out front of the doors and my friend Andrew Dillon came up to me and I was stuck. And, um, you know, I was like, well, okay, let me just go have a service, you know. Uh, but deep in my heart, I really wanted God. I really wanted a change. I was really tired of the things of this world. But I truthfully, I, I truly had bitten into the lie that the devil was presenting to me, that I had crossed a line. And then hearing some of the things that the pastor preached and the things that he said uh, specifically, I knew they were meant for me. I knew it was from God. 
uh, I bowed my knee and I gave my heart to the Lord in earnest, in, in, in complete repentance. He delivered me and I set my feet on the solid rock to stay. And um, so I want to share this message with everyone out there. As everybody knows, my heart is really bent toward bringing the backsliders back home. And uh, this message goes a long way to do that. So uh, Lord bless everybody. Uh, and without any further to do, I'm bringing you What is Love by Pastor Douglas Walker. Lord bless and enjoy. Love with Jesus is, is a great act of his mercy that he has helped me with. And I thank God for it. Man, while you're standing tonight, if you'll get your Bibles, please. Get your Bibles and help me out here for a bit. Amen. This morning, I'll cover briefly what I'm doing here real quick. And um, this morning, I preached through the book of Amos, the whole book. Didn't I, didn't I tell you I'd get it done pretty quick? Amen. Grace is appalled. I've been teaching through Acts for three years. There's not hardly a Wednesday night that I go home that Grace doesn't say, Daddy, do you ever read any other books in the Bible? <laughs> Are you still in Acts? Amen. So tonight, Grace, give me a little credit. I'm out of the book of Acts, at least for a night. Come back Wednesday, I'll be back on Acts. Amen. I'm going to read in the book of Hosea, a staggering book. This is an overview of the book of Hosea, dealing with the main question of what is love. This morning, I preached out of the book, I preached the whole book of Amos, obviously not verse by verse, but taking the parts that I was moving through and answered the question, does God care? And it's obvious that he does. Tonight, I want to talk to you about this question that Hosea answers, what is love? The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom in departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dodlam, and which conceived and bare him a son. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Tonight is the second part. I'll be preaching. If God wills, God does whatever he wants. I change. God, God directs other things. I'm just saying in faith in the next little bit, I'll preach through all 12 of the minor prophets. Not minor because they're minor leagues, but minor because they're shorter books. Um, this actually is the second to the longest of the minor prophets, which it won't take me as long to do this tonight. Most of the minor prophets focus on the southern kingdom of Jerusalem, Judea. Hosea and Amos prophesied to the northern kingdoms of Israel. Israel had been founded by Jeroboam, the split after Solomon. These are David's grandsons split the church. And what is sometimes it's called Samaria because that is the capital city of Israel or the northern part. It is sometimes called Ephraim because Ephraim is its most prominent tribe Amen. But generally it is called Israel and the southern two kingdoms are called Judah. Israel was by far a more wicked and uh, rebellious part of the history. And so in the midst of all of this sin, in the midst of a horrible book that gives a horrible list of sins, uh, you find a, a kind of a reoccurring theme and that theme is, uh, what is love? What really does love mean? And how do I find real love? And, and what is the definition of real love? And, and how do I fix love that has cooled off and love that has uh, separated me from what I love? 
What messages do I get to bring uh, to the people in these days? And what does God say to the people in these waning days of Israel's history? Not many years after this book was written, they will go into Assyrian captivity and they will never return again to this day. They will have never returned. As I talk to you this morning about preachers uh, who do not care and abuse the flock of God while they get rich and use people and abuse the minds of people. In Amos, Hosea deals with some of the same ideologies. He deals with the idea that the church is not to be exploited, but it is to be loved and it is to be cherished. All that we know of Hosea's personal life is in chapter 1 through 3, and then uh, it is gone. It is not mentioned anymore. Uh, you find yourself, as you watch what Hosea says uh, about this woman who God tells him to marry, why would God tell a man of God to marry? You're not talking about somebody who made a mistake. You're not, you're not talking about somebody who made a blunder. You're talking about a working prostitute. You're not talking about somebody that has some, some errors in their life. You're talking about somebody that has abandoned uh, the conscience of morality. And like I said this morning when I was preaching about Amos, uh, for three, yea, for four transgressions, I will judge. Uh, that doesn't mean that God's ticking off people's sins. One, two, three, you're asking for it, you're going to get it. What it means is God never judges somebody because they make a mistake. Uh, God judges when a life is abandoned uh, and a life is totally uh, cut away from the consciousness of God. I use this illustration often. It's, I even used it this morning. Uh, God judges you for your climate, not your weather. Uh, we're in an arid desert climate in Southern California. Amen. But yet it rains sometimes in weird places uh, and weird times. But that's weather. That's not climate. The climate is still arid. I'm going to tell you something tonight. God judges people over a life lived. Uh, not one moment of weakness. If you're in a moment of weakness, I've got one word for you. Repent and watch God put it back together. It's not that hard to get back to God. Man makes it hard, but God's never made it that hard. Humanity complicates it. God doesn't complicate it. God says to this man, you want to know what I feel? You want to know how I think? He said, marry a harlot. That's what Israel is to me. Uh, Israel has went off with every lover and every type of, uh, of individual and, and every type of wicked person. Uh, he goes on, the whole of Hosea's prophecy is, to be honest with you, rather menacing. Uh, and it foretells a coming judgment. Over 100 times in this book, you will hear God say, I will do this to you. If you just look at chapter 1, verse 4 through verse 6, uh, I will avenge the blood of Jezreel. I will cause to cease the kingdom. I will break the bow in Israel. In verse 6, I will no more have mercy upon this house that they do not repent. I will utterly take them away. I will have mercy on the house of Judah. I will save them. He is constantly saying, I will do this. He is a God that acts. Uh, Amen. Then you have to ask yourself the question, uh, as God warns of these punishments, who is Gomer in this story? You have God who is utterly, completely, and totally righteous without any wrongdoing whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. Secondarily, you have a prophet named Hosea who is an upright man of God that we hardly know anything about him other than he was very godly. And then you have this woman whose name is Gomer. And Gomer is this woman who cannot live connected properly and is constantly going astray. And you have to ask yourself this question, who is Gomer in this story? Historically, let me just say this before I get into the other parts. Historically, Gomer is a real woman. Her, her, her name was Gomer. There is actually a history to her in Scripture. She was a real prostitute. She is not just somebody who is made up. She was a harlot who married Hosea. Uh, but secondly, there is this. She is prophetically, she is a type of Israel who would not be faithful to God and went a whoring after other gods. 
And so you read in chapter 1 and verse 1, 2, and 3, the story of Hosea and Gomer. And then, poof, they're gone. And God switches and begins to talk to Israel as if she is Gomer, the unfaithful one. I want to tell you that this tonight. Consider how strongly God is in all of his holiness. Let me, let me lay this foundation. God wants to judge the world of their wickedness. You think God doesn't watch the abortions and watch the cruelties and watch the murders and watch nations, war against nature, nations, and God doesn't want to judge that? He is a holy God. He wants to judge. The only thing he wants to do more than judge sin is to love someone to redeem them. So if you think and you consider how the wrath of God is on this world. Consider how great his love is towards them that will repent. Amen. Consider what it must have been in order for God, hating sin, despising the wickedness of the earth, but yet somehow he manages to find uh, this disguise uh, to robe himself in flesh uh, and come down and bear the wrath of his own holiness so that you and I can go free. So that any man, woman, or child who is in sin can repent of their sins uh, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Consider how great his love is uh, that he would want to do this even more than he wanted to judge the world. That's the real message of Hosea. The real message of Hosea is not that God, what God thinks of a harlot. The real message is that God would love something that unfaithful. Amen. You know how many times I've heard this text and this book preached, uh, amen, parts and parcels to prove how that somebody is so wrong and someone is so uh, 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 full of sin. And, and is that true? Absolutely. In chapter 4 through 14, God thunders uh, his promise to punish. He says, I will punish, I will ignore, I will destroy, I will sweep away, I will bring to shame, I will withdraw myself, I will discipline, I will devour, I will lay waste, I will pour out my wrath like a flood, I will tear like a lion, I'll carry off, I'll catch like a fowler or a trapper, I'll ensure their fall and ridicule them, I will pursue, I will send back into bondage, I will burn cities and consume fortresses, I will exile, I will afflict, I will curse, I will bereave them of their children, I will reject them. I will disgrace. I will deprive them of kings and gates. I will leave. I will repay. Why did God become the attacker of his own people? Because rebellion does that. Rebellion does that in a sense that in all of this story of sordid sin, there's a story of repentance, restoration, and ultimately a story of my life. And I'm going to preach that tonight. Amen. The challenge to the relationship of love is not uh, strife. It's not God being petty. It's not God picking on somebody. It is sin. Sin enters in. Uh, and number one, he says, Israel is sunken in their sin. Uh, chapter nine and verse number nine says this, uh, that in all that they had done, uh, they have deeply corrupted themselves. Uh, this wasn't a shallow corruption. This was a deep sin. Not only corrupt were they, but they were stubborn about their corruption. Hosea 4 and 16 says, For Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Now the Lord will feed them as a lamb. Amen. Number one, they were sunken. Number two, they were guilty of corruption. Amen. But they refused to repent was what caused them to be forever in this problem. Man, chapter 11, verse 5, he shall not return to the land of Egypt and the Assyrian would be his king because they refused to return. They also, this is interesting to me, in chapter 8 and verse number 12, the Bible says that I have written to him great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. One of the attributes of this Israel who had become a type of a harlot was they thought God's word was weird. They thought that God's law was an odd, strange thing. Let me tell you something. We're living in a world uh, that this sounds crazy to them. We're living in a world that this, this is a weird thing. It, this isn't normal to say, I believe that God dictates my path uh, and God orders my steps. Uh, 
And so he says in Israel's day, they thought that they were he was a weird thing. The other thing is, is in chapter 11 and verse 7, the Bible says they tried to shake loose of him. They were constantly, leave me alone. But God took their sin personal. He rejecting God's laws, turning away from him. But God claims you are in contempt. Contempt of what? Contempt of whom? He said, they have rejected me. They've not just rejected my word. They have rejected me. So there is a groundwork for some serious stuff. Now, let me just tell you something. What you're looking at tonight is you're looking at God in love with someone not in love with him. And when you do that, who are these sins and what are these? Who are these sinners and what are the sins that Israel committed? What were they people that made mistakes? No, you're talking about idolatry, number one. And so God is accusing Israel of spiritual adultery. What does spiritual adultery look like? What does a church world or a person or individual cheating on God look like? Does it look like the saint of God who comes to church and struggles and says, God, I may be weak and I may be messed up, but I'm coming to the altar one more time? No, that's not the definition of spiritual adultery. Amen. What is the definition? Is it look like somebody who says, God, I've made a mistake again. I know I'm not perfect. And if you'll just cut down the things you don't like, but leave a stump. Give me a second chance so that in your mercy, something can grow again. Amen. That's not spiritual adultery. Amen. That's what I was talking about this morning. He that says they have not committed sin is a liar. But he that sinneth is of the devil. There's the weather climate thing. Every Everybody is going to have a rainstorm of problems, but that's not my climate. That's not who I am. Everybody's done something they don't want to be known as the rest of their life. Yes, that is what I did. No, that is not who I am. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. God is laying it down the line saying, I'm not dealing with a saint that's just weak. I'm dealing with the spirit of a sin and a nation that is drunk with mocking me and that has cast off my word and my spirit. We throw away people too easily. Man, you know what my word tonight is to a church? Amen. In preaching through these minor prophets, I'm going to preach through them every Sunday. God be willing until I'm done. This morning, I preached through Amos. Tonight, I'm preaching through Hosea. Give me a chance. I'll preach all the questions of the rest of But I'm telling you right now, I'm laying the groundwork. We throw away people too quick. We use the texts of judgment out of this against people who are not guilty of this level of idolatry. What were those people doing? Let, let's be biblical. Let, let, let's just look at this. Even though the Lord had made Israel a separate nation and a special people, the nation was totally lost with all of their wickedness. They had become temple prostitutes. Most of their wives, it was considered an honor for them to go into a false god and a false temple and there serve a tenure as some weird cultish rite. These people had abandoned the living God. They were not people. The heart of their sin was at its core was a religious and worship that was idolatry. Notice these people did not give up church. They just gave up worshiping God. Come on now, be honest. You can't hardly find a backslider that said, I quit anymore, and I just quit because I quit because I wanted to quit. Amen. They go join something else and they, they go begin to worship an idolatrous thing and, and they enter into some weird uh, spiritual oblivion that's that's uh, uh, loaded and dripping with cynicism and sarcasm uh, and say, this is what God has allowed me to do. They're, they're not people that are standing there saying, I'm in the wrong. These are the people God was looking at and said, this is what spiritual adultery looks like. Uh, it looks like idolatry. It was idolatry that was induced and included sacrifices. They worshiped gods, the Bible says in chapter 4 and verse 12. They worshiped gods newly made. Amen. They took wood and carved. And the Bible says, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err. And they have gone a whoring from under their God. What does that look like? 
Verse 13 says they sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and they burn incense upon the hills. Amen. They hate what they should have loved and they loved what they should have hate. But here's the interesting thing. They begin to kill people and kiss golden idols. One of the earmarks of spiritual idolatry is they kiss false gods and kill people. When what we worship is more important than who we have relationship with, uh, something's wrong. Amen. What I have is not more important than my fellowship and my relationship with you. Uh, Amen. Saving face in me is not more important than having communion with you. Uh, There comes a point where a church uh, must look and say, God, what is it about me uh, that you have loved when I have been unlovable? And give somebody else uh, that same opportunity that you expect uh, Amen. They become these things as they worshiped other gods. It was a real deal. What was the root of their sin? Let's look at that for a minute. But chapter five and verse number five tells us chapter five, verse five. And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face. Chapter seven, verse 10. And the pride of Israel testifieth to his face. Chapter 13 of Hosea and verse number six, according to their pasture, so were they filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they have forgotten me. Here's the deal. They begin to worship worship. They begin to worship church. They begin to worship preachers. They had begun to worship their cultic priests. Outwardly associating themselves with God or God's people does not deliver me from sin. I've got to be in love with God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 in the prodigal son, when he rises and comes to himself, he doesn't rise and say, oh, I will go to my father's house. He said, I will go to my father. It does me no good to be at my father's house if I never touch the grace of my father. If I never commune with the God of glory, what good is it to be in church if I'm not interacting with the God that is the heavenly of that church? Amen. Here's the deal. They begin to worship possibly, I don't know the word. They begin to worship uh, what other people think of us. They begin to worship what others' opinion were of us. Well, let me tell you something. Don't do that. Because I am the worst that I know. Because I know more about me than I know about any of you. And what I'm about ready to do in my remaining 10, 15 minutes here is I'm about ready to preach to this guy right here. And I'm going to preach until I have a renewed love for why I'm here. And I'm not here because I made great choices. And and I'm not here because everyone thinks good of me. I'm here because God loved me when I was unlovable. The doctrine of election is in your Bible, and it is a landslide of one. You know why I'm in this position tonight? Not because somebody voted me in necessarily, but a God voted me in. The doctrine of election is that you were the called and the elect. What that means is when the world walked by and said, that ain't anybody, don't worry about them. God raised his hand in the eternal ballot box of eternity and said, I cast my vote for them. It was a landslide of one. And it was the vote of him who died, him who bled, and him who rose from the dead again. You can't put me out of the church. You can't throw me away. The brethren and the brotherhood is not disposable. Why are we not disposable? Because we're here because we were elected fairly. Who elected you? God elected us. There was an eternal voice that raised his problem. Amen. What was the problem? Sin was the problem. He raised it on a cross and said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The next verse of that says, thus spake he of his death. You'll hear men preach that and say, oh, lift up God and he'll draw men. That's not what that means. You don't lift him up again. He was lifted up once on the cross. He was lifted up for my transgressions. He was lifted up for our sins. And that and that alone is why I'm in the house of God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get just a little bit bolder over here in a little bit. Amen. Let me move through this real quick. How to recover lost love. 
And man, he tells them in, in the church of Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, you, you've left your first love. Well, how do I get that back? Uh, I've heard that preached so many times, my ears ring with it. Uh, and it's normally that I've somehow fallen and I've somehow left the hot passion and I, I've left the intensity of it. But the reality is that's not what that scripture means. Uh, how does one get lost love back? Uh, I'll tell you how he does it. Uh, hey man, they repent. Uh, they repent until they realize the sinner that they are. Uh, sin presents the ultimate challenge to love. It is the superficial thing that challenges God's love because God is holy. How then can this love be recovered? I'll tell you how love can be recovered through one thing and that is repentance. And when I repent, I'm reminded of how blessed I am to walk in the house of God. I'm not here because I deserve to be here. Some folks think they're here because they belong here. I'm not. I'm just telling you right now. I'm here because God brought me in when I didn't deserve it. I'm here because he called me in. Amen. When I was not where I needed to be. I was here because he loved me when I was unlovable. I was here because I was polluted. And throughout uh, this dark night of judgment. In this whole book, Hosea. God calls them over and over. Repent of your sins. Amen. Repent. Amen. I want to tell you this. At no time does God ever separate himself from his holiness. He just simply doesn't. God loves, calls us to join him in his hatred. Hate what is sin. Hate what is wrong. Hate what is what is not of me. Amen. But in the whole book, you can read it. A book, chapter after chapter. He's saying, I love you. And I love you as a restoration miracle. Now, here's where it gets very real. He offers them a way home. He offers them a second chance. Actually, in Hosea chapter 3 and verse number 1, he offers them a second exodus. He said, I brought you out the first time. He said, I will bring you out again. He tells them also in a little bit further in chapter uh, 6 and verse 1 and 2, he tells them again that I will bring you out in the exodus. And then the most telling thing that he says is in chapter 7 and verse 13, he says, I would, I want, I long to redeem you. When he says, I would redeem them, or I want to redeem them, he's saying to them, if they would let me have my way, I would fix where they have strayed. I would bring them home. Then, of course, there's chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 11, deserves probably seven or eight sermons all by itself. It deserves its own series. It deserves uh, its own week of preaching. Why? Because God says, I'll do anything to get you back. Uh, if I could win you, uh, I would do anything I could do to win you back to me. Uh, the reality of this is that God did do anything. Uh, and he did do more than anything. He brought me back by dying himself. Uh, Man, do you see what the promises of this restoration is based on? Do you see what God is doing? It's not based on your willingness to be perfect uh, or your willingness to be brilliant. Uh, it's based on one thing, and that is the love of God. That is God's kindness. That is God's repleteness. Religion ain't going to do that for you. Religion's never helped anybody. Never helped anybody. You know why religion doesn't work? Because it is a false covering that makes you put your confidence in celebrity rock star preachers. And they're in their relationship. You think you're right. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not your high priest. Amen. I, there's a God that is your high priest. Amen. And when God says he's in love with you. Amen. What God had joined together. Let no man cut it up. Why? Because when God put his blood on you. Nobody. Nobody can peel it off. Nobody can shake you down. Nobody can strip you out of it. What I planted in my hand, no man, no man, nobody can pluck you out. Let me get real about it. I'm not your high priest. I'm not even close. Amen. I'm not even near it. You have one high priest, and that is the one who came in the excellency of sinless flesh, robed as a holy thing. Between uh, heaven and earth uh, and bled and died for you. 
At best, I'm an under-shepherd. At best, I'm just a working boy here. At best, I'm not an exalted clergy. At best, I'm one man that's trying to tell you all that there's a God that's not going to let you go. And when man's trying to shake you off, there's a power in this room. You can't shake mercy off. You can't shake the glory of God off. I'm going to be bold tonight in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Amen. From an atmosphere like this, uh, it is harder for you to go to hell than it is to be saved and go to heaven. Uh, You can get to heaven easy from this house, uh, but it's hard to go to hell uh, where the master walks the aisle. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I get so sick and tired of this weak and pathetic ministry. Oh, you're losing the Holy Ghost. You didn't get it that easy, and you can't lose it that easy. Somebody said you're messing with the doctrines. No, I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm preaching to you that Christ is not going to let you go. You may not feel saved, and you may not feel loyal, but there's a God in heaven who's in love with I'm telling you tonight in the Holy Ghost, I frankly don't care how you feel. I got people that come to this church all the time. I don't feel saved. I don't care how you feel. Hey Amen. You're saved because the blood bought you. Because the glory of God brought you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worried about a falling away. Brother, you can't shake yourself from a God that's in love with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got another great revelation to you tonight. I have looked at this book. I have read this book over and over and over in my life, Hosea. I've pondered to myself, how can Hosea love a harlot? How can Hosea love this woman? But after I began to look deeper into it, I realized, who is Gomer? Who is this woman that's unfaithful? Who is this woman that's undependable? Who is this woman that is such a wretched thing that no matter what he does for her, she is a best of flake? And I realized this, that I am Gomer. I am the one that has loved a man sporadically. I am the one that when I thought I was righteous, I was dirty. Oh, Lord, help me. Hey, man, I found out that I'm the one that's messed up. And I'm the one that God has had to chase me with message after message, song after song, glory after glory. I'm not here because I'm righteous. I'm here because God is my Hallelujah. Quit thinking you're going to lose it. Every. I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. Amen. You need a revelation of the mighty God's what you need. You need a revelation of the high priest. Go ahead and accuse me. I could care less. I'm here by a landslide of one. Accuse me of preaching a false doctrine. But I'm preaching this right here. That God didn't let him go. And he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let your life go. Because you fumbled. And you made a mistake. I introduced to you the God of love. I introduced to you the God that knows how to carry a church. For you who are in your sins, trespasses, and transgressions, who are in the world without God, no hope, walked after the manner and course of this earth, but God. Anybody want to go at it right there? But God who is barely able to pay you out 
Oh, he's counting his pennies. I don't know if I got enough uh, to redeem. Oh, come on. Uh, quit living like you got some sick little God uh, that ain't got enough mercy to save you. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, God can buy me out of the belly of hell because uh, he's loaded. Uh, he's rich in mercy. Uh, he's rich in holiness. Uh, he's rich in glory. Uh, I'm not on thin ice. Uh, I'm in a wave of the blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I get so weary with this doctrine. Oh, you're pressing your limits. I'll tell you right now. I don't even believe that you can go to hell on your knees begging God to forgive you. All a man's got to do. Father, forgive me. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, I got this. I got this. I got mercy for you. I got joy for you. I got... Well, well, Douglas Walker, I prayed and I don't know if God can fix my mess. Oh, your poor God. Am I get together and have a prayer meeting for your poor God? Hope your God gets some strength. Hope he can find some muscles. But that's not my God. My God is rich in mercy, abundant in grace. Amen. Holy. Hallelujah. Love without end. Glory without punctuation. Eternity will only display where it brought me from. I love you, Golden. I love you. I set my eyes on you. I'm going to love you when you're unlovable. I'm going to love you when you're a rotten salsa. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Well, I don't know. Oh, Jesus, help me right now. Behave. Behave. I hear this stuff. You're pushing your limits. You've crossed the line. But if I read my Bible, the Bible said that when he was in the belly of the earth three days, he went into hell to preach to the spirit. I do not know what this means, okay? So I'm not trying to act like I know all what this means. I'm just being honest. I'll tell you where he was. I'm not telling you what he accomplished when he did it. I've got three opinions, but they're just like your five opinions. That's what they are. They're opinions. But I'm just telling you the, the indisputable part. Amen. Three days in the belly of the earth, and the Bible says that he went into the bellies of hell. And he preached unto the spirits that were long time in prison. I don't know what that means altogether. And I don't know what he accomplished when he did it. But I make this theological point that if God could cross that line and God would go to hell and God would enter into the abode of Sheol and God would inhabit the uninhabitable and God would go on the off limits place to speak the word to anyone. Honey, you haven't crossed the line. You haven't got I'm so weary with people coming to church and feeling like you're lost. Hallelujah. Praying and Oh, if I'm a reprobate or not, honey, let me tell you, reprobates don't pray in an altar. Reprobates shake their fist at God. Reprobates damn the glory of God. But saints that pray, saints that worship. Preaching one night in Texas came to me and said, Once you lay hands on this woman, and man, she feels like she's blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. I'm not real quick to start all that stuff. I just went down, got next to her, and started on my knees, started praying next to her. I heard this primal scream out of this woman, God. If you're a God of mercy, can you have one more chance for me? Can you, God, I think I've blasphemed and I've crossed the line and the point of no return. After about 30 seconds of that, I couldn't stand anymore and nudged her. I said, hey, lady, hey, man, let me tell you a secret. Hey, man, you haven't blasphemed. Blasphemers aren't in an altar asking for another chance. Blasphemers aren't coming to this church. Hey, man, trying to find the voice of God. 
reprobates are no 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 amen i tell you what you are you're a sinner and you're a saint amen that still struggles and you're wondering whether god still loves you well i'm glad you're here tonight because i am hosea and i come to tell you he loved you until the end he's gonna love you to the finish if god could look at judas and say i love you until the end if he loves you he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He's going to bail you out. He's going to bring you home. What is love? What is love? What is love? Okay. Love is God in Douglas. Love is God in you. Amen. That is what love does. That is what love does. When I don't deserve that love, when I don't deserve that hope, when I don't deserve that fresh start, when I don't deserve that breath of anointing, amen, what is love? Love is God saying, listen to me, I got you on legality. Listen, listen, we're not here to debate tonight whether or not you're guilty. Sorry, you're guilty. I'm guilty. Romans 3 that all would stand before God and know that they're sinners. That's not what we're here to debate tonight. What we're here to talk about right now is can God love the guilty? If you need a case point and a proof text, you sit down and read Hosea and say, Dear God. If Hosea could love that, you're going to love me. You're going to help me. You're going to bring me out. Now, normally I'm 10,000 miles high and, you know, moving at about 400 miles an hour when I start this line. But I preach this all the time because it's my favorite thing. I don't know if I'm going to be lost or not. The church's job is to find the gomers that don't feel like God would ever give them a second chance. And say, Gomer, won't you come home? Won't you come back home? And you got people, and this is where I get, normally I'm preaching the house down when I do this, but I don't feel like ending this on preaching the house down. People in this room tonight that do not know if you're right with God, that takes a little bit of repentance is all that takes. But there are people in this room tonight that God has bought you, loved you, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody because this ain't about morality. If you guys get what I'm preaching, this has nothing to do with this is spiritual stuff. That's why I say I am Gomer. Historically, she was a prostitute. Prophetically, she was Israel, but spiritually, she's Douglas. And people say, I don't know if I'm lost. Well, it's our job to light a candle and sweep the house. We'll find the lost coin that's in the house. Who's here that's lost tonight? You might be in church, but you might have lost your first love. You might have lost your passion. I light a candle of this right here so bright that when it passes over you, you feel like I'm found again. Man, this is the favorite part that I love to preach. People that say, I don't know if I'm going to be okay. I don't know. If I'm going to make it, honey, listen to me. God doesn't bring you here to send you to hell. If he wanted you in hell, he'd have left you where you were when he found you. You were doing a good enough job of putting yourself in hell. But when he passed by, he saved you. He didn't bring you here to put you in hell. 
He brought you here to put you in heaven. Because the Bible says they have made you sit together with him in heavenly places. Come sit down by me. Sit down by me. In, in, in Hosea 11, he said he shall make a banquet of love. The Song of Solomon said the banner over the banquet was love. Sit down next to me. I'm in love with you. No, you're not perfect, but I love you. No, you're not what I, I, I want everything to be. But you're going to be if you just don't run away from me. God doesn't bring you here to send you to hell. He would have left you alone. He would have never brought you here to say, now I let you go. But he indicated himself when he reached for you and he found you when you was lost and he opened your blind eyes and he wrapped his arms around you and he kissed you with his glory and he wrapped himself up in you hey man i'm done tonight i'm closing tonight hey man but there's people in this room I need to bow and just say, God, love me again. I'm sorry for where I've went and where I've been and what I've done. But God, I'm not going to live lost. I don't have to be lost. Come on, is there any gomers in this room? I'm one, I know. You don't have to wait and feel. Hey, man, like you're not welcome or you're not worthy. There's the spirit of love in this room. The spirit of grace. And when man says, well, you've gone too far. Hey man, you passed the point of no return. Hey man, when man says, I don't want you. Hey man, there's a God that says, give me a shot. Give me a chance. What is love? It's what God does with a church. It's what God does with someone who feels so loved. Hallelujah. What a great word from Pastor Walker, uh, the way he preaches, he just, he leaves it all on the pulpit. He leaves it all on the table. Each and every time he preaches, it's with an anointing, it's with sophistication, eloquence, and with a passion and a desire to reach the lost, to be used of God in a mighty way. And what a privilege a privilege it is to be a part of Second Chance Church in Yucaipa, California. Uh, if you're not tuning in uh, Sundays at 11 a.m. and also at 6 p.m. on Sundays, uh, that is Facebook Live, please do so. Okay, if you want a good word that will settle your soul um, and, and that, that will touch your heart deeply, I encourage you to tune in tune in if you're not already tuned in and also there is bible study at 7 30 p.m on wednesdays he hasn't missed a beat pastor walker just continues to be used by god uh covid or no covid okay he is not missed a beat and i am so proud of my pastor um, for how he is carrying himself and carrying his church through these times of crisis it's just incredible uh the word for the week ladies and gentlemen is found in oh real quick before i read it i want to give you a reminder that uh wednesday night i'll be releasing another episode um i'm going to have another great message from another great anointed uh preacher and then we are going to conclude our bible study next weekend uh there's two more parts to the series of in search of the few we're going to be releasing one sun uh excuse me saturday evening and then sunday evening and then uh, we will be done with that magnificent um, Bible study in search of the few. It's extremely exciting. I can't wait to reveal the few. Um, anyhow, please, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in John chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, that's John chapter 14, verse 27. Uh, this is Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples. He's getting ready to go back to the Father after coming off the cross. It's so intriguing to me and so wonderful and awesome uh, that peace is one of the things that God would say, hey, uh, that Jesus would say, hey, I'm leaving this with you. You know, and you may not think much of it until you need it, until you see it in your own life uh, in a time where everyone being affected by COVID-19 and the majority of this world, they don't have that peace. And it's, it makes me sad. It makes me pity him. Um, I just, I have, I have compassion for people that I see just scrambling and, uh, they, they, they're multitasking. They're trying to keep their minds as busy as possible and acting like they have it all together. But deep inside, they are faced with death. Uh, you know, that's the, been the fear and, and fear does have torment. And, um, like I said, it's not the actual act of dying, 
that scares them so much as just knowing that they're lost. Uh, and so here it is. And this is, is again from John chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Well, you know, if he hadn't left that peace, he wouldn't be able to tell us to keep our hearts from being afraid or being troubled. Um, but because he gave us that peace, and when you are, when you have that, you know, when you're born again of the water and the spirit and you have the infilling of the Holy Ghost and you live a life of repentance, you're madly in love with Jesus Christ and you are living your life for him. Um, in holiness and truth, let me tell you, you have that peace about you. You have that peace that causes you to uh, go about situations, crisis or emergencies, and deep in your heart, you're not troubled because you know when you cross over from this life to eternity, it's all good for you, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that is the Bible, and that's the truth.